Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up? I am Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast powered by Twisted Tea. We've got our Sunday SEC football conversation on deck with Weldon Rodenberg. This one, of course, was centered around the college football playoff selections, Florida State getting a raw deal, the sham of the process that we've been talking about for a couple of weeks now, why the committee also got the New Year's Six and Group of Five schools wrong, what it looks like going forward in a 12-team playoff, and, of course, a look a little bit at the matchup with Ole Miss and Penn State, as well as a look around the SEC, and, of course, at the end, the fastest-growing segment on American soil, Soccer Corner. So buckle up. Think you'll enjoy the show. Before we get to that, though, I want to take a quick break to remind you. If this podcast is brought to you by Seaspire, it's time to upgrade your home internet to the best service in the market with Seaspire Home Fiber. The past few years have proven how important it is to have reliable home internet connection for you and your family. That's why Seaspire Home provides the most reliable internet service with 99% uptime. Seaspire also prides themselves with the best customer service in the home internet market. Their customer service is award-winning, local service based out of the Southeast with industry-low call wait time. Seaspire provides one gigabit and 300 megabit internet packages to homes across Mississippi, Birmingham, and Southern Alabama regions. Seaspire is also proud to announce the release of their brand new 2 gigabit and 8 gigabit home internet plans. Save yourself a hassle by not waiting for your internet to connection to drop with the other guys. Call or go online today to cspire.com slash home and use the promo code RIPPY at checkout for one month of free service. That's right. Just for listening to this show, sign up for Seaspire Home Internet today and use RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E. You get the first month free. How awesome is that? Can't be waiting for the internet to drop. I've got Seaspire Home Internet. It is the best. You should do it too. Check them out. Seaspire, customer inspired. This podcast is brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. As you're listening to this, Skybox Sports Picks college basketball package has gone live on the site. This is their bread and butter. They crush it every single year on college hoops. And if you need any proof of that, they gave away their picks for free on the internet last week, Twitter, wherever else you can catch them on social media, and ended up plus 34 and a half units on the week. Yes, you read that correctly or heard that correctly. Plus 34 and a half units on the week. Trust me, if you're into college basketball, you don't want to miss this chance to profit. They mop up in college hoops every single year. For a limited time, you can use the promo code NCAAB23 for 50% off your college basketball season long picks package check them out today go online find your own picks package to fit your price range maybe you're using the bowl game package as we got college football conference championships bowl season coming up make a little extra christmas money there use the promo code rippy for 20 percent off they're the best sports handicapping service in the world check them out today skyboxsportspicks.com this podcast is also brought to you by lb's university avenue there in oxford if you're a rippy right subscriber that's rippyrights.substack.com get a free newsletter from me plus discounted meats right now if you're a Rippy Right subscriber, just go in and show Greg proof of subscription. You get three six-ounce bacon wrap fillets for 20 bucks. If it's a $40 valuation, you're getting there for 20 bucks. Just show him proof of subscription. He'll get you all set up. Then go find your own favorites. It's the best butcher shop in the world. All kinds of delicious cuts of meats. Go to LB's this holiday season. It will make everything in your house better. People will be like, where the hell did you get this awesome stuff? Like LB's University Avenue in Oxford. It is a crown jewel of the South, a crown jewel of Oxford. Check them out today. LB's University Avenue. They're in Oxford. 
All right, here's Weldon. All right, we now welcome on former Ole Miss recruiting staffer, Rippy Wright's football correspondent, Weldon Rodenberg. For the first time in some 13, 14 weeks, we do not have an Ole Miss game to talk about in our normal Sunday show, which is kind of weird how quickly it uh, it flies by, but then also in some senses, like, for example, the Tulane game feels like ages ago. So I guess it depends on through what lens you look at it. But a lot of college football this weekend. We'll get to Ole Miss's bowl destination, the Peach Bowl against um, – Penn State here in a minute, but uh, first off, what's up? I know you watched a bunch of football this weekend. It was a great Saturday of football followed by a Sunday of stupidity, which is kind of a shame. Not really unexpected, though, <laughs> uh, at all. Uh, and, I mean, great Saturday of Sunday football. I mean, Saturday football is probably a little bit of a stretch. I would say there was one really good game yeah. and then a lot of anxiety about what the hell was going to happen at night and then today and we got exactly what, you know, the committee and that we as fans and everyone involved in this process deserved this morning. And I'm sure that'll probably be a pretty large topic that we're going to discuss today because I mean, there's a lot that goes into what happened earlier this morning. It's really unbelievable. And like I mentioned a second ago, we'll start there. And this is not something this <laughs> I'm going to try to control myself this podcast, but geez, I get so annoyed by how all this is going. But this was not. This would not be a victory lap by us because we are far from the only people uh, saying this as much as, you know, early October. Uh, really, we've talked about what a sham the process is for several years now. But you could see middle of October that it was starting to line up to where they could potentially finally not get bailed out this year. They being the committee in this sham four-team invitational. It really looked like they there was a chance that they could be in – in some hot water in terms of who actually goes, it became more abundantly obvious throughout the month of November. And then you had whatever the hell it is we just watched unfold <laughs> over the last 12 hours or so. You don't really have any earth shattering results on conference championship weekend that are going to affect the playoff other than Alabama beating Georgia, unless I'm missing something, everything else kind of just went chalk. It wasn't totally unexpected. Alabama Washington was not totally out of left field, but for the most part. Okay. Now you got one less spot really, because it's like, you got to put Alabama in or at least more things to consider. And they end up doing exactly what you said they would do two weeks ago. They left out an undefeated Florida State. They put in an undefeated Michigan. They put in an undefeated Washington. They put in a one-loss Texas, and they put in a one-loss Alabama. I don't even know where to start. I guess I'll start here. Your thoughts on the re initial reaction when the four teams were announced? I mean, it, it's really a travesty uh, what happened to Florida State. It, it's really – I mean, they got it wrong. And not only did they get it wrong, but they got it wrong in three – completely different phases today not just with the top four but with the new year six and with the team they chose from the group of five so they they went over today and most importantly and i said this earlier on twitter to you know where no one sees it or cares but i gotta say it somewhere they any goodwill that the committee had they lost today any confidence from administrators and coaches and fans and anyone involved with the sport was completely lost today by how they went about this decision the way that they discussed this decision and it's just really really bad not only did they do that by leaving out florida state um, by saying the games don't really matter by saying that an injury is more important than what's happened on the field but they also, you know, 
they also destroyed the ACC today. That that's an added bonus from what they were able to come up with 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 this decision because they told Florida State that your body of work was not impressive enough to overcome an injury. Thirteen and zero, you played LSU in a neutral site on in the first week of the season, beat their ass, which is a common opponent with Alabama, by the way. Um, and then you went and won every single one of your games in your schedule. Was it a hard schedule? No. But it was a first time they've left out an undefeated Power 5 conference champion. And this is going to give us that super conference that everyone's been worried about, that everyone's been talking about a lot sooner than we expected. Uh, There's a massive ripple effect from what the committee decided today. And it's just really, really unfortunate that we have now gotten to the point where they don't care what happens. And I said it last week, and I said it the week before, that they are going to take into account everything that's happened and then just choose what they want. And what they told you today was that they care a lot more about a TV product being good than putting in the most deserving teams. Because they got it both, they got it wrong on both accounts on that too. And I'll go through the three others next. But they not only did they not put in the four best teams, but they didn't put in the more the four most deserving teams either. Because anyone in their right mind that thinks Georgia is not one of the four best teams in the country is fucking crazy. But they didn't deserve to go. So they didn't put them in. So that goes against their four best teams. Correct. And then they didn't put in Florida State, which goes against the four most deserving teams. It's just a complete joke. And then now you look at the what could be next year and the way they picked the the New Year's Six Bowls honestly was wrong. I think they got that wrong too. Oklahoma has a real gripe by not being in over either Missouri, Ole Miss, or Penn State. Honestly, I was going to come on here and say if Oklahoma ended up in the Cotton Bowl and it was like Missouri, Penn State, and the Peach Bowl, I was going to be like, man, that sucks for Ole Miss. But I'm happy the committee kind of looked at some resumes and was like, you know what, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, pretty close Oklahoma has a better win. Ole Miss has better losses. We were going to go with Oklahoma. I would have been like, you know, that sucks and that's unfortunate. This is not, not egregious. But it's not egregious. Um, it's same thing with Penn State. I mean, if it was Ole Miss and Oklahoma in the Peach Bowl, I think that would have been the right matchup. Or Ole Miss, Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl, Missouri, Oklahoma in the Peach Bowl. One or the other. Penn State being in was incorrect based off of the resumes and everything else. And then the final cherry on top, and I've always said this, this committee fucks you in the margins, is putting in, the I mean, not Mexico State, putting in Liberty over SMU as the final G5 team to go in the New Year's Six goes completely against exactly what they said with Alabama and Florida State. They said, oh, Liberty won all their football games. They had the worst strength of schedule in the entire country. Whereas SMU lost two games against power five teams, then went undefeated in their conference and won the championship against a top 25 two lane team. They messed it up on every single level. And now you have to sit back and realize that, yes, we're going to get a super cool 12 team playoff next year. But these are the guys that are going to be deciding who's in it because it's not going to be all automatic qualifiers. We have put ourselves in this position as administrators as fans to trust these guys. And there's no reason to, because at the end of the day, they're going to pick a TV product, not the most deserving. And it's just the worst part about college football. I thought what you said, particularly about them getting it wrong on both ends of their 
almost it's not imaginary criteria, but it's very vague when you talk about best versus most deserving, because most deserving, you can make a much clearer argument, right? Conference champion that wins other games. Best is just pretty much their opinion of who's the best contrasted with the public's opinion of who's best. There's like saying the four best doesn't actually mean anything at all, because I don't know if you thought Alabama was one of the best teams in the country. Isn't your opinion required to change when they nearly lost to a completely awful Auburn team? Um, like, is your opinion – I don't know. I would have figured Ohio State a couple years ago with a third-string quarterback. Like, are they one of the four best teams in the country at that time? No, but they had a good week on tape to show for that. I think they won, like, 55-6. to six, But no one gave them a chance to beat Alabama. But they did. They beat them soundly on the field. And that's ultimately where I thought this stuff was supposed to be decided, and that has to matter. And the third thing, they did show you the games don't matter. And there's plenty of different angles we can take with it. I do, before I forget, have to point out one thing. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the liberty aspect of it. I didn't see this quote in real time. I actually, while we were waiting to record, I tried to go back and see if I could find a clip of the show to get it, but I couldn't. But it was from a reporter, apparently Boo Corrigan, when justifying, so he's the chairman of the college football playoff committee, when trying to justify Liberty over SMU, he cited the fact that Liberty won all their games, and maybe that was because they didn't play any Power 5 opponents like SMU did, who played two Big 12 teams, as a positive for Liberty. Wait, what the what the hell is that? He's giving Liberty props for either not scheduling or not being able to schedule Power Five games like that. I know they beat Arkansas last year, so it's not like they're not prone to do it. But it just didn't work out this year. But that somehow worked in their favor this year. That, that it riddled me that. What what, what I, I was just incensed by it. I can't even make sense of it. He he broke my brain. Honestly, I didn't know what to think. I was like, is that serious? So. In all aspects, this is just a screwed up thing that, as we've probably known for a while, as you mentioned, is made for TV. And it makes it really, really hard to take the sport as a whole that seriously, because this is not that complicated. This should not be that complicated, but it keeps getting screwed up by the year. And as much fun as the 12-team playoff is going to be, and as less intense as the arguments of a 10 and two Missouri versus Penn state versus Ole Miss for a playoff spot are going to be, it's still going to be a bit of a shame if those same people are making the decisions based off television and whatnot, as opposed to some sort of concrete metrics to get the 12 best teams in the tournament and play it out. It's, it's hard to figure out really who to blame for this situation. Cause there are so many different parties first. And honestly, there's the sec to blame for going and taking Oklahoma and Texas first and kind of creating this war for conferences um, that has led us to, you know, Washington and Oregon, USC and UCLA going to the big 10 and consolidating all of this. So they're not blameless in this complete like power shift dynamic that's happening in college football. Then you have the, you know, Alliance that came together that really screwed up every scheduling they completed. They, they did absolutely nothing to help anybody. Um, and they delayed the 12 team playoff for another year because they couldn't get it figured out because they were screwing around with everything. And now that's, you know, where Florida state is now is to blame their administrators for doing that. But then you have to blame all of the university presidents, all the athletic directors, everyone involved with college football, the NCAA for deciding that they were going to be cucks to the TV networks and not take control of their sport like they should. Because if that was the case and they were able to just not completely rely on TV money for everything they needed, 
then this wouldn't be as much of a TV product as it would be who's, you know, decide trying to decide a real champion. Because that's what happened today. And I just don't even know where you go from here because there's no changing that. That that is just the way it is these days. And it's it was like it's hard to explain because there's like a business analogy that we have. So I'll give it, you know, we used to, I worked for a company called Louisiana Chemical and back in the eighties and seventies, um, we sold over a hundred plants to China and we became as a company very reliant on China to do business. And over and over again, we would sell these plants, ship them over there. And in the kind of late nineties, early two thousands, China kind of turned around and was like, actually, we're just going to use all the information we've gotten for everything you've sold for us. And we're going to start building these plants on our own. And now that is completely cut off. And that's exactly what happened in a weird way with college football and TV networks is they, they dug in, they said, we need the money. We need the money. We need the money. And the TV networks turned around and said, this is actually our product now, not yours. You know, university presidents, ADs, NCAA, you, you are nothing here. It, it's all about us. And anyone telling you that they don't, this committee and everyone that makes these decisions doesn't go off of the TV is crazy because even with the seedings throughout the years, they will seed teams differently based off of matchups to make sure that it's a better product. The bowl games, they don't actually even choose those anymore. They have very vague contracts. They choose it off of the best matchups, not the best teams and most deserving. And that's, it's become the worst part of college football. There's so many amazing things. There's so many amazing parts of this sport that everyone loves and the worst part of it and it's been the worst part of it for decades is who actually is going to win this whole thing and that is not going to change with this 12 team playoff it'll be a lot more fun it'll be a lot more entertaining it'll be a lot more dramatic more games will matter it's better but if we're still you know beholden to this committee and the way of doing things it's just going to feel like this with just more teams it, it it's it's unthinkable to to just fig, figure out – it's unthinkable to me that this was the process put in place from the first place. You talk about the criteria and then being beholden to the TV networks. Well, of course that's true for the sheer lack of any concrete criteria to go off of, even if that's not the case. Like, yes, they're going to be beholden to the money and the TV people and all of that. And like you said, outlined very well, it's a shame that that was the case and they deserve blame for that. But, I mean – even if that, if even if you didn't believe that was the case, what criteria do you think they want to go off of? I currently have the metric section up for the college football playoff. It is there's like 15 sections on this page. They're both a few paragraphs, some a little bit longer than that. Well, the metric section is uh two sentences, and it says there will not be one single metrics to assist the selection committee. Rather, the committee will consider a wide variety of data and information. That's it. That is the only thing it says on there. That is quote unquote. Their criteria, that is, they have a principal section. If that you want to help get into that, head-to-head competition, conference champs, strength of schedule. How about this one? Other relevant factors such as unavailability of key players and coaches that may have affected a team's performance during the season or likely affect its postseason performance. It's just a whole – my point in all of this is not to read through the bylaws of all this. It's just a whole conglomeration of nonsense. And so when you have no clear direction and no clear organization, what are you going to do? You're going to follow the money and do what it tells you to do. Exactly. And I mean, just think about Florida State and like how you would feel if you're a Florida State fan, that you've done every single thing possible to put yourself in this position and you were left out 
based on some arbitrary and subjective factors to win a national championship. No one, no one thinks Florida State, if they had gotten in, was going to win. But that's not the point. And that's never, ever, ever been the point. No other sport does this. Only college football is where we have these subjective metrics to decide who wins the national championship. We have all this money and all this time and all this pride just for these other people who have nothing to do with college football to make these decisions. And if you look at Jordan Travis's tweet earlier today, I mean, golly, I did not feel for him. I mean, he was like, maybe I should have broken my leg earlier in the season so they could have seen what this team was more than just a quarterback. And he's right. Because if he breaks his leg in week two and they still go undefeated, they probably get in. But we don't actually look at everything that's surrounding around these, you know, whatever metrics they come up with and their criteria and blah, blah, blah. It's all based on like what happened last week. You know, I don't know like what happened maybe two weeks ago. But it what is happened literally, though, doesn't matter. To add to that point, it is week to week. So last night, the I forget the third string quarterback's name for Florida State. It's Glenn. Is that his name? Glenn. He's from uh, he's from Memphis, actually. Yeah, and the other kid, uh, Rodemaker's a Valdosta kid. Um, so, but the, you mentioned the week to week part of it. They weren't perfect by any stretch. They didn't look great against Florida, but Florida was a competitive enough team. That was an electric environment, and they made enough plays and really helped. Uh, when Florida gave them the game, they took it, and they deserve credit for that. But you talk about it being a week-to-week thing. They were with the third-string quarterback playing against a pretty good Louisville team, and they were just trying to survive and get through the game because that kid had taken very few snaps. But the point I'm trying to make is they looked okay-ish with Rodemaker. What if he's not? What if he's available and not in concussion protocol, and they win the game, thirty-one to seven? Are they in the playoff today? I would think maybe. But you know what, someone. Still- you know, it's someone so emotional week to week. There's no concrete criteria. It's like if that – so many hypotheticals, I guess, is what's annoying. No. You know what someone said on Twitter earlier that I thought was the best thing I've seen about Florida State the whole time that anyone's been talking about this bullshit was what if Florida State decided, instead of saying Jordan Travis was out for the season, that he was day-to-day yes. as a chance to come back and maybe play? They could have done that. And then maybe that puts in the back of the mind of the committee that, oh, he might play. You know, we don't know yet. So, like, it's possibly in there. Um, that That is so possibly true because that's how pathetic this committee is. And they'd be like, oh, you know what? Maybe he'll play. Uh, we'll put him in and we'll see if he gets in there. But at the end of the day, that's not the important part. That should not be a factor in this whole situation is who gets injured. Because now going into next season – I mean, you're going to see guys just not play against some of these group of five teams. It's like, well, we can't get injured, you know. And then for a team like Alabama, last or yesterday when they were playing Georgia in one play, Dallas Turner and McKinnistry went down. Now, they ended up being fine. But what if those two guys were down they still won? Does that factor in how good Alabama is going to be, losing their two best defensive players? Does that equal a quarterback? Like, it just shouldn't be a factor, and it was. And they won't say it, and they'll never say it. But that's exactly what happened is they decided that they Florida State has no chance to win. No one on TV is going to want to watch them play against, you know, hypothetically Michigan and get their ass beats. The ratings won't be as good and no one will care. And we've gotten shit on for these semifinals year after year, not because bad teams get in, but because this four team deal has always been a disaster. And this was just the cherry on top. And I'm glad that they're getting ridiculed the way they are today. They deserve this. Nothing will change. But they deserve every shit they get from everybody today on how this went down. Um, But lastly, I'm really excited about it. 
this could be a freaking yeah. awesome fourteen playoff. So like <laughs> that that's not important, and that doesn't give them a break. It's going to be awesome. I cannot wait for it, but it's wrong. It, it is completely, completely wrong. It's it's unbelievably incorrect. And the other part of it too, you mentioned like that should the injuries and all that be a factor? I mean, of course they shouldn't. But the the fact that you mentioned that if they'd have just done the whole, well, he's day to day, despite the fact that he has a very serious injury, they, I hadn't really thought about that till you said it. They probably get in because it's like, if you can really kind of fake it to make it sounds like he has a chance to play when he has no chance to play, well, then you can't really change the criteria. They won the last two games and they survived it. And then they'll maybe get the quarterback back and you have to stick them in there. And then there's just a certain amount of irony in the fact that, Oh, now you're worried about bad uh, semifinal games. Well, every single year of this, you've had terrible semifinal games with some rare exceptions through the years. Like it would it kill you to put in the power five conference champion. I think going back to the, uh, you mentioned at the top, they killed the ACC. I agree wholeheartedly. I don't know where the ACC goes from there because They've now set a precedent, not that precedent matters to them or anyone else in this entire sham, but still, they have now openly said, the ACC, you're a Power 5 conference, a team can go undefeated through your league, win its conference championship game, check every single box, and get left out because it's just not good enough. Part of not, part of this was just the pure genius decision to have a 14 playoff with five major conferences. The other part of this is, like you mentioned, the conference realignment, the SEC starting to shift the uh, plate tectonics of how this whole landscape works. But then lastly, just looking at the sheer fact of it, if you're Clemson or you're North Carolina or you're Florida State, how are you not looking around being like, I have to get out of this conference now? Like I, I might be even better off doing Notre Dame and going independent. I don't know the logistics of all that, but how do you not look at yourself tonight as an entity and say, we have, and not say we have to get out of this now? It's one of the biggest ramifications today is Florida State and Clemson and, you know, they might think it, but like Miami and North Carolina have to be sitting there and telling themselves, we we can't be here anymore. We can't be losing the money race. We can't be losing the competitive race. This is over. And the committee did that today. They, they killed the ACC. Um, the Pac-12 is dead. They killed the ACC. The Big 12, I mean, they're going to float, but they're they're coming next. And there's going to be a super conference of – 32 to 40 teams and this was the first step in that process and that everything you thought was going to be down the road like you know 15 years you can move that up five years now you can maybe move that up 10 years now because that's absolutely coming after today because now you know if you're an ACC team and you're looking at the at-large for next year it's like if you don't win your conference and you're not like 11 and one with really good wins there's no guarantee you're getting an at-large based on what happened today, fair or unfair. Um, and you know, the last thing is, where the hell are they going to go? I mean, the SEC isn't taking them right now. The Big Ten's done expanding. I, I don't know if they have anywhere to go. And that's going to be the most interesting part with Florida State, who's already you know kind of discussed their dis, you know, disdain with the ACC and the model and the money and the way everything's gone is this is just going to – like light that entire town, their boosters and everything they have to do with Florida State on fire. I mean, they're going to be so pissed off, and but they might not have any answers on what to do next. Does it? I don't know where they go either. I mean, you you could sense pretty early on that they were going to be that league was not going to necessarily die as quick of a rapid death as the Pac-12 was, but they were absolutely the person left without a dance partner. They lost that next round of musical chairs. 
And I think the evidence of that is them negotiating with two teams on the opposite coast of the country and considering ridiculous propositions like playing neutral site games in Dallas to cut down on travel and things like that. They were clearly scrambling and were not you know, at the top and at the forefront of all this realignment. And so I don't know where they go. And the other part it made me think of today, too, if you're Mike Norvell, I, they, they had some kind of event today, some kind of watch party for the selection committee and to see where they stood as far as the playoff and all that. If he's there and he watches that and he's like, I just went 12, 13 and 0 through an ACC schedule and I just got left out of the playoff because I lost my starting quarterback. Does that change how he looks at his job at Florida State? Does that change how Dabo Sweeney looks at like the landscape around him at Clemson? I know they're good jobs with history and precedent and both have national titles in the last 15 years. But in this current form of this future form of whatever college football is, how could you not at least consider, man, is this the place I need to be? Oh, you have to. It, it has to be in the back of your mind on like what exactly is going on here. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to leave, but if the opportunity arises and you know that you're still in this conference and you know you want to compete at the highest level and you've been shown today that it doesn't really matter if you win the one you're in, you won't be able to. I, I just don't see how they don't begin to look around um, at other potential opportunities. It, it's just that's just the name of the game these days. You are in a conference that is not competitively relevant anymore. And if you want to win at the highest level, Dabo's done it there, but that things have changed. Things have changed dramatically. Um, so no, I mean, they're, they're screwed. Both those programs are absolutely screwed right now. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do. It's fascinating. It's unfortunate. It's a joke. This whole thing has always been a joke, but um, yeah, I mean, you have to look it in inward and look in the mirror and see, you know, ask yourself like one, are we, do we need to schedule harder games or do we need to schedule less difficult games? Like, are we going to have to go undefeated here to win and, you know, make this whole thing, you know, this, this 12 teamer, I don't know. It's just crazy what happened today. And uh, it, it's really, really unfortunate. It is. And I don't. I don't even really have the words for it. I mean, like the Jordan Travis tweet was tough. And then going beyond that, I'm just curious. So I've looked at, I, I, I tried to pull this up a second ago. I get it. Michigan went undefeated. They didn't lose their quarterback. They played, uh, they won all 13 games. They go undefeated. But uh, can we take a revisit at Michigan's last two appearances in the playoff? Because it's like mid-20-teens Notre Dame-esque of like, why do we let this team in there? They lost to arguably the weakest team allowed in the college football playoff era last year and then got smoked by Georgia the year before that. I get it. They beat Ohio State. They win all their games. They should deserve to get in. And I'm not talking out of both sides of my mouth. But outside of the quarterback piece of it, like why is 12-0 Michigan just not questioned at all but Florida State is? I mean, I just answered my own question, but do you get what I'm getting at? Like it's Michigan has not had a very good track record in the playoff, and just because another undefeated iteration of them came up, if you're going to question one undefeated Power 5, why not the other? I completely agree. I completely, completely agree. I don't think it was going to happen, but I completely get it. I mean, there's there's a conversation on why is Michigan even allowed to be competing in this yeah. four-team playoff in the first place. They have had a coach that has been suspended for half of their games this year because of cheating scandal, and, like, they are the number one seed. I mean, there's a conversation that that Washington has really a bigger stake at the number one seed. Um, I, so I don't, I don't know. It, there's there's no rhyme or reason to anything. So it's like, why even question it? And honestly, there was a conversation that I saw happening where 
you know, it's honestly a little unfair to even be considering Alabama and Florida State because you could be considering Texas and Florida State. Like, it, it could have been a completely different team. Uh, it's almost a little unfair that to Alabama. I know people are ragging on them that they shouldn't be included. And I know Texas beat Alabama on the field. So, yeah, obviously, like, Texas should be in. But there's so many different parameters of, like, how they mess this up and who they're comparing, and how do they actually go through this process? I know they say they pick a team, and they go through the rest of it, and they pick another team. They go through It's just all this bullshit. You can believe nothing. Boo Corgan has come out, and, I mean, everything he said has just made absolutely no sense. I mean, the guy looks like like Mitch McConnell at the stand, like just completely frozen, like he's having a stroke every time he talks on ESPN. There is no confidence coming out of that room at all. Uh, it sucks. It, it blows. But at the end of the day, I mean, I will be very excited to watch these games, but it will have this weird asterisk feeling to it. We'll get back to Weldon in just one second. But before we do, I want to take one more quick break to remind you. This podcast is brought to you by Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any other hard beverage you've ever had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up on any occasion, especially when you're cheering on your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate your game day experience it perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments so let's toast to unforgettable game day experience twisted tea the drink that fuels and celebrates your love for college football keep it twisted this podcast is now brought to you by mc speech therapy has your child been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder or another developmental disorder mc speech therapy offers private speech therapy from the comfort of your own home other centers may leave you as the parent sitting in the waiting room. MC Speech Therapy enables parents to make every moment with their child therapeutic. Using a relationship-based framework, MC Speech Therapy can help your child engage, relate, and communicate. Mary-Claire Boudreaux's doctorate-level expertise and passion in helping children with communication difficulties offers articulation and language therapy, parent training, is, and is licensed to do virtual therapy across the state of Mississippi. With MC Speech Therapy, you and your family will gain a better understanding of your child while cultivating stronger relationships. For service today, call 903-824-8575 or email her at maryclaire at mcspeechtherapy.net. That is M-A-R-Y-C-L-A-I-R-E at mcspeechtherapy.net. All right, back to Weldon. I found this uh, this gold nugget in the uh, bylaws or whatever the hell this is on the college football play. Have you uh, have you studied up on the college football playoff committee's information gathering process? Are you familiar with this? Not really. No, I don't think another soul outside of me who may accidentally <laughs> stumbled on this page would be. They technically, according to this, stick two committee members onto each conference, and they're designated information gatherers for each conference. And so they're oh, supposed yeah. to, I guess, watch a ton of this conference and report back to the other committee members. Uh, why not just have a bunch of dudes watch all the games? What, 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 why, why, why is the guy, the guy, if the guy who's Chuck, or excuse me, Chet Gladchuck, I'll just use him as an example. His two conferences, and he's one of the few with two conferences on here, are the Mountain West and the Pac-12. So my man's not watching a relevant college football game till at least 2 p.m. and is staying up till uh, you know, 11 p.m. and midnight. Poor guy drew the night shift. Maybe he lives out there. I don't know. But why is a guy like that, if that's his focus, I'm not saying he can't watch any other college football, nor does it say that. 
But how is he going to have an objective opinion on Florida State or the SEC? Because you only have so much bandwidth and so much time to watch games at the same time. How does that process make any sense? It doesn't make any sense. Do you know that Michigan's athletic director, I believe, is still on the college football committee? He is. It's all that's the other part of it, too. Why why are these people on the committee? It's a bunch of sitting ADs, most of them not at Power Five schools. You got Kentucky's AD on there. You have former coach Jim Grobe. You have a guy who played college football and played in the pros who now runs a gym somewhere in the Midwest. Um, you have a professor at uh, some university I've never heard of. Like, wh- where does all this come? Like, wh- why are these the people in the room deciding this? I get it has to be someone, it's, I guess, somewhat unbiased and not a conflict of interest. But again, wh- why is it these people? Uh, maybe I just missed the whole memo on why that's the case. But I don't know who half these people are, and they're deciding the fate of everyone's entertainment and honestly, some kids' careers and coaches' jobs. And you say, like, it has to be somebody, but why? Like, no other sport. That's a good point. Yes, exactly. It does not have to be. No other sport has a situation like this where we pick and choose who gets to the postseason. We have got to find a way. I think it is imperative that to bring goodwill back to fans and to everyone involved in the sport, that we find a way, some way, somehow, to eliminate this committee and make sure that when we get to this 12-team playoff, that there are certain parameters you have to meet to be included, um, and it should be all automatic qualifiers. I mean, the conference commissioners are as much to blame as anybody. I forgot to leave them out with this whole situation because they don't give a shit. They're just riding for their own conferences. So everyone is going against each other in order to make the best thing possible for the sport, right? So – uh, it's not going to happen, but we just can't have these guys picking and choosing. I mean, the amount of money Florida State lost today, I saw some idiots trying to say that they were going to sue, which I think is hilarious. And, like, obviously that's not how things work in life. Some guys on War Chant were trying to sue for the the damages, the amount of money lost. And I, like, understand that concept because of how much money they're about to lose. But, like, no. Like, absolutely not. Like, that's not how it works. But I get it. I completely get it because they lost out on recruiting advantages, you know, whether that's, you know, real or tangible or not, I don't know. But they lost out on revenue. They lost out on experience for these seniors and everybody on this team. It's just crazy everything that has happened to this, you know, this program in 12 hours and the difference that it will make for them in the future. It's 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 unbelievable. I, I'm full on the, the lawsuit. I hope they try to push that forward as quickly as possible. I think that would just be incredible entertainment. And so kind of back looking at the other piece, we talked about Florida State for quite a while, but we did the Michigan, Texas, and Alabama. If you really want to sift through all the BS and try to find some sort of theory as to why the committee did what it did, I really think that what it comes down to is they didn't want to leave the SEC out. They didn't get bailed out by Georgia beating Alabama. And so then when faced with a decision between Georgia and Alabama, that's easy. Alabama beat Georgia. But then it was kind of ha- it was kind of a handcuffed pair. If they're really that worried about leaving the SEC out of the playoff, largely probably for TV purposes, among other things, you got an SEC AD in the room. Well, then you have to include Texas. So now because of this fear of leaving the SEC out, two spots are filled and the other two were abundantly obvious and Florida States get screwed. I think it's incredibly more uh, complicated and complex than that. But I think on a base level, if you're looking for a work in theory of why this actually happened, I, I think that's probably where you start. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just there's just so much to it. I, I don't even know if there's any more to anything more to say about it. They, they just they thought it was going to be easy this year. They thought they were going to get bailed out like they always have. It started off good for them with Washington beating Oregon because they were guaranteed to be in. So they had a spot where they didn't have to choose, but then it came down to having to choose. And they chose incorrectly. And they chose incorrectly, not because they didn't get the four best teams or whatever, but because they told the entire country that the games being played actually don't matter anymore. That's that's how it was incorrect. You could say, like, oh, they did get the four best teams. Maybe, probably not. That's I don't really think that's true. I think Georgia's one of the four best teams. They're not in it. So I don't know how you could say that's what they did. It, it's just it's everything that comes down to the sport. Sometimes it makes you wonder why we care about it so much when the most important part of the sport is the worst part of the sport. It's just so fucked up and it continues to be that way. And this is not the first time it's happened. And honestly, it probably will not be the last. That's exactly what it makes me wonder. It makes me hard. To, it's it's hard to take it seriously on a, such a large scale. We I mean, I enjoy, don't get me wrong. Enjoy the hell out of college football. Each week, we'll continue watching. The games are fun. It's important. It's fun to talk about them and dissect them. But when you talk about kind of a program's path or the team's or a team's actual pursuit of a championship, it's just kind of a clown show. And it, it again for like what might be the second most popular sport in the country at times, it's it's just a sham and it's a shame that this is the way we are somehow deciding a champion. And like, thank God, at least if there's one positive that comes out of this, it's gonna finally kill off the anti-expansion or anti-change people or maybe go back to the BCS people who say they have the most special regular season ever. Well, actually, this regular season blew. Like, it, it, they're telling you the regular season doesn't matter. So your special regular season is now getting ruined by undefeated Power 5 teams getting left out. And if you love the regular season that much, um, then maybe the same the sport is not for you, or at least logic and common sense. I just I, I can't understand how today you'd be like anti-expansion or at least anti-change after watching what unfolded today. I think that argument has probably finally been the reason that we had what unfolded today was because this was one of the most boring, uneventful regular seasons that college football's had in a long time. Nobody in the top 10 would lose. Nobody lost ever. There was no, no upsets, and not not that upsets like make everything about this sport. But it's a part of it. It's the you know part of college football we love the field stormings, like the you know the differences and seeing the different places come up and be successful on that one week deal. Um, there was none of that this year. The, like the top ten teams were like ninety six and four or something crazy um, th this year. So uh, it's not it's not about the regular season. Every sport in America is about the postseason. Every one of them. They've all basically said, no, we only care about the postseason. NFL is like the one maybe caveat to that where like they are just so successful that the regular season, it doesn't, they, they don't care. But the NBA, the MLB, uh, every other sport, it, it's a postseason sport. Uh, NCAA basketball, no one gives a shit about the regular season in NCAA basketball. It's all about the postseason. And college football cannot figure theirs out. And that is a massive, massive problem. And it won't deter people from watching or caring because this is like one of the most watched seasons ever. Like people are watching, people are caring, but that will eventually come back to bite them. Things go in cycles. And I feel like we're starting on a cycle where like people are like, why do I care about this? Why do I want to watch this? Oh, and now I'm a fan that has to facilitate paying for the roster. 
like actually this is not as much for me as I kind of thought it used to be. And I'm curious over a large sample size if we see a dip, a slow but evident dip in the kind of enthusiasm around this sport. I thought I had the exact same thought earlier too, because it's like my first thought was like if you were a Florida State NIL heavy hitter and you're like, I gave all this money and like this is what I get, like. I mean, probably won't stop, but it'd make you look back and say, okay, well, this this seems like a waste of time. Like this this whole thing seems very stupid. Like where's the return on investment, even if my return was going to be, you know, personal enjoyment for my alma mater or whatever. But it would have to make you think like, why am I giving so much money to this? I'm curious to see if there's some sort of, you know, you're already seeing collectives have donor fatigue. Um, and I'm just curious if some of that expedites this because the whole thing is ridiculous. So I don't really have any other thought comments on it other than that. Florida State got screwed. I mean, if you're really saying four best, Georgia should be in there. If you're saying four most deserving, Florida State should be in there. They got it wrong on all ends. Well, that was only their first screw up of the day because they had quite a few other. It did benefit Ole Miss, and I guess we'll get to that part of it too. Ole Miss is in another New Year's Six Bowl. They're playing uh, Penn State at on December 30th at 11 a.m. in the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. It is their fourth New Year's Six Bowl in the college football playoff era. Their second in the last three seasons. Uh, if, guess if there was a winner today, it was Ole Miss because I wasn't really sure what to make of where they were headed if they were actually going to get in a New Year's Six game. Yeah, definitely a big winner. I mean, it's a huge – I mean, go, yeah, we've talked about how, like, it's really not a big deal to make this New Year's Six. I've always kind of pushed back on it. If you're going to make one of these bowl games, like – and you're in the conversation for a New Year's Six Bowl, go go get it. You know, go figure it out and, and get in there. And, and they were able to do that. Um, I think they were incredibly fortunate, not because they don't have a good resume, but because they were being competing resume-wise with Penn State and Oklahoma, which I love on this. They're not the brands that Penn State and Oklahoma are. At the end of the day, somehow, some way, they won out. It's awesome. Can't wait for it. It's really exciting. I wish it wasn't an 11 a.m. game. On Saturday, December 30th, why the hell that's the case? I do not know. Um, but, no, it's an awesome matchup. It's the first time they've ever played Penn State, which is really cool. Um, I, I think Lane said today they're not expecting a lot of opt-outs, which I think is awesome and impressive. It's also they don't have a lot of first-round picks, so <laughs> no one's really needs to opt-out. Uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup. Uh, Penn State's defense is really damn good. Really, really, really good. They have a fantastic front seven. They got a good back end. They they're very, very good on defense. They absolutely suck on offense. They're not Iowa suck, but they are not good on offense. Um, it, it's it's a pretty tough matchup with having Pettis down and Ole Miss is kind of struggling on offense with this offensive line. Um, but I, I think there's a chance that this is going to be a really cool, fun matchup. And it's awesome that they made it because if you looked at some of the other Florida Bowl options. I mean, LSU got fucked. That is the- ReliQuest in Tampa against Wisconsin, correct? Yes. So I don't know what happened or how it happened, but Tennessee ended up in the Citrus Bowl playing Iowa. And not that anyone wants to play Iowa, because I've said that before, and we saw that again. They played two teams, the Pulse, and got outscored like 50-0. to zero. Um, So that's not very good. Uh, but that is not fun. And if Ole Miss ended up in one of those bowls where, like, you know, it's kind of just a hodgepodge of picking and choosing and ended up playing Wisconsin to rely quest or, like, you know, some other terrible or not fun team in the Citrus Bowl like Iowa, that would have sucked. I, I completely agree with myself. I, I'm a 
full believer that that would have sucked and been a really shitty prize on an awesome season. So they got the benefit of the doubt and they get to go play Penn state in year six in the peach bowl. And I think that's a lot of fun. It's a huge deal for Ole Miss. I do too. And two uh, acts or two new year six bowls in the last three years, we've covered ad nauseum about the credit they deserve for that and how well positioned they are um, to, you know, ultimately be screwed as one of the higher seeds in the coming years by the committee. But <laughs> joking aside, at least they'll be in the conversation. Yeah. It would have been a really stressful day. If you were in Ole Miss's position, having to trust the committee to figure it out because really they didn't because they fucked Oklahoma. I, I mean, I'm a true believer. Penn State beat absolutely nobody this year. Beat absolutely nobody this year. Oklahoma beat Texas. I mean, they had the best win of any of the teams in the conversation amongst the four. And, like, you would have been sweating it out. And I guess it would have technically gone your way. Now you would have had to go on the road to play Georgia, so that would not have been fun. But it would have worked out. But there's no guarantee that if this was the playoffs and the stakes were higher, that you know, it would have worked out for you. And I'm kind of on the opinion that it actually would not have. I think they would have put Oklahoma in because guess what? They're a bigger brand, bigger TV. It, that's what their decision would have come down to in, in the end. And um, I'm really happy that they didn't do that for the New Year's Six, but it is what it is. I think it's a it's a real thing, clearly. You would have been sweating it out today. You talk, If you look at it just 1 through 12, and you're talking about a hypothetical 12-team playoff, Ole Miss was 11th last week and finished 11th this week. But with Oklahoma being the 12th team, I mean, I got to already see the arguments. I mean, they had LSU, Arizona, and Louisville behind them. How about make an argument for the team in the ACC that actually made its conference championship game and was also 10-2 and two and all that? I mean, you can see it. It would be a very uncomfortable day for Ole Miss as well. But just from a program notoriety standpoint, it is kind of cool to see them in these graphics of – Hey, if the playoff was this this year, you'd have Ole Miss versus some other awesome. It's a real thing. It, yes. it was awaiting Georgia and Athens the next week, or whatever the hell it ended up being. I'm probably butchering what it actually ended up being, but that is a good thing for branding and good thing for relevance. Um, you know, if you're going to enter just a complete clown show with no concrete criteria, having a lot of just <laughs> clout and criteria, I guess, helps as well. Yeah, I mean, it's good for recruiting. You know, you're, you've are you gone back-to-back New Year's Six games, which means uh, if they were playoffs, you would have been in it twice. You could sell that to kids. Um, no, it's definitely not nothing. It, it's a real tangible thing. Are you playing in a big bowl game? You've done it before, going for 11 wins. And, look, ain't no guarantee you're beating Penn State. You're already an underdog. I think you're like a three-and-a-half-point underdog. Um, but you get that opportunity. And I'll be interested to see how Kiffin – manages and coaches and handles this bowl game because the first year when they went to the bowl in 2020 against Indiana, like it was a real, like he, he really felt like they wanted to win that game. And yet Indiana had a lot of injuries and stuff, but they were like actually a really good team that year. You can kind of throw out the cards on COVID, but it was a big bowl win. I mean, Indiana was a top 10 team. It was a real thing. Baylor, that thing got all screwed up. Uh, I think there's been a lot of talk of like Levy coaching that game. He probably maybe shouldn't have been. He was already gone. Um, they just didn't – I don't want to say they didn't seem interested, but once Corral went down, they were basically like, you know what, who cares, the bowl game, we're just kind of get through this. And they kind of had that exact same mentality last year against Texas Tech. Are they going to have a different one against Penn State? Because Penn State – for all of James Franklin's faults, which there are many in big games, guy wins bowl games. That is one thing he does. You know, last year they beat uh, Utah. They beat Washington a few years ago in a bowl game. They were really, really competitive against USC in that awesome Rose Bowl against Sam Darnold. 
Um, so, like, they're going to be ready to go. And they have a lot to prove. And Ole Miss, to beat them going into next year, it's just more clout going into and getting a higher preseason ranking, which clearly matters now. So it's a big it's a big deal. Now, are they going to be ranked 15th or 5th, depending on what they win or lose? Probably not. But it's not nothing. So go into it. Try to win it. It's a program milestone for 11. It's a big deal. What was your biggest gripe with the New Year's Six outside of the Liberty thing that we covered? Well, I mean, the Liberty thing is terrible. That it's They should not have been even close to considered for that game. Um, I think Oklahoma not going and Penn State going it is a big gripe. Penn State's only win was against an Iowa team that's not good. They're not a good football team. Uh, I have no real issues with Missouri uh, being in the Cotton Bowl over – I don't even know if it's over Ole Miss. I think they just kind of like pick and choose at that point. I don't really know the exact, you know – metrics or criteria they use to figure that out i don't think uh, they do either yeah no i don't know exactly um i think one of the funniest things that ended up after today was that it's so clear that the acc was so ill-prepared for florida state to miss the playoff that actually as of this second the acc bowl matchups are not officially set because they could not figure out what to do with notre dame because they're technically kind of a part of the acc when it comes to bowls so they have been scrambling and trading teams and trying to figure out who the hell is going to be where, um, which shows how much a lot of these people care about these bowl games. It's it's zero. Um, so no, it, it's it's all just been a total disaster. They they've screwed up everything. So the Penn State thing is interesting because you brought up the Iowa part. So Penn State, I, they're good defensively. I'm not impressed with their offense. They kind of they're great. Back. They are great defensively. I'm willing to say that they now. It will be very interesting to see who opts out and opts in for them because they have some some absolute dudes um, on that defensive line and offensive line that are like NFL guys. They're, they're left tackles, a top 10 pick. Uh, I think they've got, unfortunately, Abdul Carter is only a freaking sophomore. You'll see him. I call him the Terminator. You'll be seeing a lot of him. Uh, but I think that Chop Robinson guy, I, I think he's uh, NFL eligible and he's a fucking stud too. So that will be something to monitor going in with this team. Um, but offensively, they are not good. Defensively, they are they're great. Their best win, like you mentioned, is Iowa. I saw a stat last night. Iowa played Iowa won 10 games this year. They played two ranked opponents. Two teams with an offensive pulse. And lost 50 to nothing combined in the two games. Yeah. <laughs> not not great. I mean, their over-under team total last night, I know that was making it surrounded on the internet, was 0.5. Yes, and it was hammered by me. No, that was their first half. Their total oh, sorry, game. first half. The game was – was the game six and a half? The game was seven, and they were both taken by yours truly, along with Michigan minus 22. Um, they suck. I, I'm, so, I'm so tired of hearing about Iowa, and I, I will not go any more to it. But if you can't – if that's your offense, you're not an – you're an unserious football program. So I'll go I, into it a little bit. I the, I get it. Big Ten has regionality, right? Wisconsin's going to have to be built different than teams in the South. And if you're not Michigan or Ohio State or sometimes Penn State, you don't really have the the footprint to go recruit nationally and get speed. But like, if you're an Iowa fan, I wrote this in the Neil's picks column of like, what are you? What is the selling point of like, hell yeah, I want to go watch this team play in the Big Ten championship game in Indianapolis? We're all pissed about the offensive coordinator and the nepotism and all that going on there. He's not going to be back. 
Um, like, do they just remember where they were and take photos when a touchdown is scored? Do you do you get it in writing? Do you uh, do you get a tattoo? Like, how would that be fun to watch on a three hour basis every Saturday where it's just run the ball, run the ball, three yard out to get swatted down, punt the ball? I mean, I, I just I couldn't imagine myself actually finding that enjoyable to root for. No, it has to be impossible to root for. So I don't know why anyone does it. Uh, they, I just, I the jokes about them and everything talk. I know Neil loves them, and I, I respect that. And I, I think part of it has to be, you know, running into the bit a little bit. Um, but I, I just don't consider them serious, and they haven't been that way for two years. And like I said, if you have an offensive pulse, you're going to beat the shit out of them. And they played two teams this season because the Big Ten West is so bad. They played two teams this season with an offensive pulse, and they got the shit kicked out of them twice. So I, I just that's Penn State's best win. It's their best win, and that says a lot about them. I mean, they uh, Iowa had a game this year where they won fifteen to six at Wisconsin and did not take an offensive snap in Wisconsin territory. I mean, that is that is next level type stuff so it's a good matchup for Ole Miss it'll be a fun one they got the new year six they got the notoriety with that it'll be a fun big time matchup against Penn State although when you tagged me last night and McMurphy had projected uh Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl that would have been a whole nother level of fun a little bit more exciting I would say (laughs) yeah that would have been incredibly exciting I would you could have signed me up for that any day of the week I'd have probably walked to that game the last thing on the Ole Miss part of it Kiffin had some sort of me availability at some point this afternoon, either right before we started recording it. Um, haven't sifted through that yet, but he did mention he didn't anticipate any opt-outs. I don't know how much of that is the fact that they actually made the New Year six, or like you mentioned, it's not the they don't have a ton of guys leaving. And it seems like they're kind of building something here with some of the core guys coming back that they'll be back next year. So there's no reason to opt out of the bowl game, but kind of a I'm not going to say they're going to generate a ton of momentum by beating Penn State next year by all playing together, but I'm not surprised at the lack of opt-outs because of who I think may return and kind of the position they're currently at with their roster turnover or lack thereof. Yeah, it's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because you've got a lot of kids who have bought in, who are really excited about this game, and that have shown that like this is you know there is kind of a culture being set of like guys playing and showing how important this is for Ole Miss. And the curse is that you don't really have a lot of guys that really are considering opting out because you don't have a lot of first-round picks on your team. Um, now, the portal gives and, and takes. There's a lot of time before this game happens, so who really knows what is going to be on this roster coming into that game? Um, I, I don't know nothing, but like, I'm just saying, like, in general. Uh, so, no, I, it's a positive. There's a few negatives about it, but I, I'm impressed that he came out and said it, and that's something that, like, impresses me the most about what they've built is they've gone to a lot of these bowl games and just really have not had that issue ever. And that's, that's not nothing because a lot of other programs and that's not even the program's fault. I have I fault nobody for opting out of these bowl games. Absolutely nobody. Um, but they, it happens all the time. And the fact that they haven't done it, uh, is, it says a lot about them. I saw a take out there today, and this would be the last thing we do on this about how, how part of while there might is probably a problem with the process, part of the fun of college football is having these debates on who should be in on the four best teams. I kind of find them nauseating. I don't know. This was really the, the I don't say the first year, but this year was worse than any other in recent memory where like it made me want to stop checking the cesspool that is Twitter or X because yesterday it was like best teams like four, here are the four I listed. Boom. Like game over. It's not most deserving. It's best arguing about that because this year everybody was wrong. Like, 
if it is the four best teams, most people just had some sort of subjective opinion on the four best teams because you probably couldn't make a concrete case for, you know, four that uh, would be much better than any other combination. If you're going with the most deserving, well, of course, your argument was uh, wrong because the committee didn't pick that. And like, I'm just nauseated by it. And if it's lessened, I mean, I don't know. I've, Twitter's blown my mind anyway. I see tweets from people. I don't I don't know why. Have you, have you seen this for you page? Is yours as crazy as mine is? It's it, all day to day. It has just been nonstop. And it's just takes after takes after takes after takes. Um, it just, I got exhausted the, reading it. I'm like, this is all nauseating. Yeah, I had to eventually just be like, okay, I'm not interested. I had a big money golf game. I was like, I, I got to focus on this. I can't I can't do any more of these takes. Um, but I did try to read a lot of them just so we could talk about them and the, some that were interesting and some that were ridiculous that we could like bring them up, um, which I think we did a decent job of. So it, it's not nothing, but it's it's also just a little bit overwhelming. Yeah. And then the for you page, even just beyond sports, I got to tell you, I, I thought of this rant yesterday morning. My for you page is getting so out of pocket with just random stuff. Um, it'll be some kind of culture war take and then maybe an animal attacking another animal in a video in the next one. I, I woke up. We have the new member of the family. Uh, we got the dog. I woke up on Saturday morning at 6 a.m. to take the dog out. I open Twitter. The first thing I see is a video from some random dude. And the tweet says, I'd say I bookmarked it because I, this was finally a moment I had where I was like, what is Twitter sending me? It says, bruh tinder date just laid king kong's finger in the toilet and it's a video of him showing what appears to be a shit in the toilet and i'm just like I, why does twitter or x think i want to look at that at six o'clock in the morning what is going on with this algorithm i like shut my phone like i slapped my phone down and i was like what why would they think i want this I, I i don't understand the for you page i don't get it when it comes to sports either but i i don't know i don't know if mine's been as out of pocket as yours but i see some pretty crazy stuff that i did not sign up for on x yeah, who knows what's going on there? I mean, that's probably a lot bigger of the reason why Disney and no one wants to advertise with them. They don't really care about anti-Semitism. They just don't want to see shits and toilets all over their <laughs> Twitter feeds. Going downhill. He's like, on. geez, like Musk ruined my my morning in, in 10 seconds. I don't get that. But anyway, thanks for nothing there. Um, all right, last thing. We'll go through a couple of the bowl games. Is there anything – I know they're not finalized, but SEC-wise, is there anything that stuck out that you're interested in? Or I know it was pretty – I thought they were pretty mundane for the most part. Um, the only thing, and obviously, like, look, I know people call me an LSU fan. I'm not. I think they got as raw of a deal as anybody. Um, unfortunately, this this Big Ten SEC, all of these different bowl setups, like, provide some pretty fucking boring matchups because of how just honestly, just how boring Big Ten football is with this Iowa and Wisconsin and like Minnesota. So all these Florida games, honestly, have just become, like, really, really shitty. I mean, they, they're just and not interesting. So they, have go, they have to go play a bad Wisconsin team with a potential Heisman Trophy quarterback winner. So that will be, you know, relatively uninteresting. Uh, let me kind of look through and see some other ones of semi-interest in the SEC or in general. Um Let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Good podcast, good podcast. I was trying to look um, at it in real time while you were answering that too. And like, I can, some of them aren't even out. I don't know if the ACC screwed some of that up as well, but. No, um, they did. They absolutely did screw a lot of it up. But most of them are out. So A&M plays Oklahoma State. Okay. Uh, I mean, who's going to be the head coach for that? Because I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Robinson, uh, Elijah Robinson's going to Syracuse. He will not be staying at Texas A&M. So he was the interim coach. Elko just got hired 
I mean, th- there's precedent set for the new hire actually coming in and coaching the game. Luke Fickle did that, I believe, last year with Wisconsin. He wasn't really coaching, but he was on the sidelines. So that'll be at least semi-interesting, an old Big 12 matchup. Um, Clemson plays Kentucky in the Gator Bowl. That's not completely boring, I guess. Um, no, that's not that's, a bad one at all. Um, that's not terrible. Um, like we said, Missouri and Ohio State. I think that's going to be a really fun matchup, actually. I, I think uh, that's actually a really cool game um, over in Dallas. Auburn plays Maryland in the Music City Bowl, which maybe if Talia has any eligibility left will be a nice tryout for him to go to potentially Auburn. Georgia and Florida State in the most I-don't-give-a-fuck bowl in the history of I-don't-give-a-fuck bowls in the Orange Bowl. Um, that will be terrible. Uh, on paper, it should be awesome, but it's just not. No, it's not. Uh, Iowa, Tennessee, and the Citrus Bowl, which is the maybe ultimate clash of styles you'll ever see in college football. Uh, that will be a very – I mean, it'll be interesting nonetheless. I think Tennessee will probably win that game like 28 to nothing, like every other t- team that's played Iowa with a pulse. And that's the only ones I've seen. Is that all the bowl-eligible teams? Yes, SEC, Penn State, of course, Alabama and Michigan. You got Texas A&M, Oklahoma State, which we already covered, but that peaking the interest. Couple of non-SEC ones, the Alamo Bowl. You get Oklahoma, Arizona. That could be sneaky good. That's usually one of those weeknight bowl games after Christmas that could be entertaining. Oh, it's always a great game. And the TCU Oregon game from a few years ago when TCU came back from down twenty-eight. Texas played Washington last year in the Alamo Bowl. That's like the Alamo Bowl was low-key become like the best of the rest bowls. It's always been like a really fun Pac-12 team against a really fun Big 12 team with a lot of offense. I wish SEC had more matchups with fun teams instead of the Big 10. The the, the Alamo Bowl looks like a lot of fun. Uh, JMU gets in. They they get the – I know they were kind of screwed on that whole thing, so that's good. They get the Armed Forces Bowl. Uh I don't know. I mean, I guess I could be talking into a day after Christmas, Kansas UNLV. UNLV's had a hell of a year. Kansas runs like kind of a fun offense. Uh, that's really about it. I'm not sure how many of these more I could. I mean, I'm going to watch most all of them. Don't get me wrong. I love bowl season. But in terms of like getting pumped to turn on the television, that that might be just about all of them. Uh, oh, yeah, Rich I mean, Rod, getting the New Orleans Bowl early on. And they, they get uh, they get ULL in, uh, in New Orleans there. And, yeah, I don't know. That's about it. First bowl game. Ohio plays Georgia Southern at 10 a.m. That's got to be Bahamas, right? No, well, it would be, but it's the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Oh, okay. I think they're doing Bahamas this year because they have they're redoing the stadium over there. Gotcha. 10 a.m. Okay, that'll uh, that's quite the early kickoff, I guess. Uh, last thing, who wins this whole thing? Oh, uh, I think Alabama wins the whole thing. I think so too. I, think I, I told my buddies earlier that Alabama is currently a two and a half point underdog. And I'm going to call, you know, the guy who handles a lot of my investments and potentially take out like half of them to put on Alabama. Um, I, I think they're going to win the whole thing. I think they're going to win the whole thing in a classic Alabama dominating fashion. I, I really do. That's going to be really cool though. Michigan, Alabama and the Rose bowl. Like that's, that's really fun. And then I will, probably be going to the sugar bowl the again with washington and texas i have two huge futures on washington and texas so one of them i will be rolling into the national championship with which is exciting 
Um, but that's down in New Orleans. So that'll be a lot of fun too. That will be a fun one. It is now uh, time for the fastest growing segment on American soil. It is soccer corner. We've confirmed had matches. We've had a change at the top. I'm looking at the standings now. We've got Arsenal in first place at 33 points, Liverpool with 31, and Man City sitting at third place. <laughs> Excuse me. That might be the lowest I've seen them since we started doing this segment. What happened? They drew 3-3 today with Tottenham in an absolute banger of a match. I mean, just an all-time – I mean, it was awesome. I, I did not get to see it. Like I said, I played golf both mornings, so I really have not gotten to watch a lot of the EPL this weekend, unfortunately. But I did watch rewatch the highlights of that game, and Tottenham's down like, you know, like almost eight players with injury go to – Man City and somehow get a result is just a hell of a job by them. That's really, really, really impressive. Um, so they're, I mean, they're very, very much in it. But yeah, no, City being at third, I mean, it's still so incredibly early. And there's a real race at the top, um, as we've seen. But they, like I've said, they've they've been really good. Champions League, they've been fantastic. They were down 2-0 to Leipzig uh early on Tuesday and came back and won that game 3-2. Uh, so they've been in great form there. And I, this might have been kind of like a form game for them where, like, they put in so much effort on Tuesday they kind of couldn't totally get up for today. Um, so I don't think that will stick for much longer. Aston Villa in the top four currently. Yes, they are. They have just been really, really good. They like I, We talked about it a little bit last year, but they brought in Unai Emery from Villarreal who just kind of wins everywhere he's gone except for – like being a little mundane at Arsenal. And they got rid of him way too early. Goes to Spain, is fantastic, wins a Europa League, comes back to Villa. They spent money smart. Um, they're not you know, a very rich club, but they're not a poor club either. And they're just getting results. Now, I, their schedule, kind of looking at it, like they've had a pretty easy go about it. If you look at their next matches, they've got oh, – oh, my God. They've got at home against City, at home against Arsenal, at Brentford versus Sheffield, at Man United. So we'll, we'll learn a lot more about them coming up. They've had, I mean, probably one of the easier go-abouts early on, but they've taken advantage of it. So credit to them. They're, they're in it. They'll, they'll be in it for a while, but I don't know how much longer. As you look toward the middle and bottom, you've got Chelsea all the way at 10th, right behind the old uh, Brentford Bees. Uh, Brentford pretty much just stays 11 to 13th. I pretty much decided I don't need to check on them anymore, despite my uh, diehard fandom. Uh, not getting any better with Chelsea. I talked to Haydad around Thanksgiving, and he was actually somewhat optimistic about how they played, but standings-wise, not reflecting it yet. They got a really big win today. They uh, they beat Brighton 3-2, even were able to do it with a red card. They're getting healthier, um, which has been really important. They bought all these kids for a billion dollars over the last two cycles. We've talked about that ad nauseum. And they're starting to score goals. They're starting to kind of figure it out. They've got a really good coach. So that was never really going to be the issue. It's always been kind of just the players. And now that they're getting healthier, they're showing some form. They're still not there yet. Uh, they're still incredibly erratic. So, like, they uh, so they win against Brighton today. It's a big win. Absolutely a big win. But if you look at, like, their last few games, so they beat Brighton 3-2. The game before that, they lose at, on the road at Newcastle 4-1. The game before that, they draw City 4-4, that absolute classic two weeks ago. And the game before that, they beat Tottenham 4-1. So, like, there's no consistency with this team. Uh, but they're beginning to show at least a little bit of firepower and a little bit of moxie. And they're going to get Christopher and Cuckoo back, 
who is like a really, really, really good French player. He's going to be their striker. Um, he's been out with like a knee injury for a few months. Um, and when they get him back, I think you're going to see them rise up a little bit more. But I'm not set on them really competing for anything more than maybe top four. But there's there is a little reason for optimism. Looking at the bottom, you've actually had a little bit of a shakeup. You've now got Everton in the relegation zone with Burnley and Sheffield United. The little engine that could Luttontown uh, is now out of the relegation zone. Don't know how they did it, but they are at nine points, uh, threatening to climb out of the cellar. If it ended today, they would be up in their little apartment-built uh, stadium or whatever that is. Yeah, I mean, look, if you look at the results of those teams towards the bottom, it's it's Luton has gotten three draws. And when you get results down there, like that's the most important important thing Everton was docked 10 points I believe for uh some financial fair play issues which is him the uh it's like the equivalent to Kentucky pays you know millions of dollars for basketball players and gets caught so they punish uh Kennesaw State so <laughs> that, that's been kind of like the analogy of like Man City has been on trial for like three years for these issues and Everton did maybe one thing. So we're going to punish them. Uh, so that's a really ain't good for them. I don't know if it's gone through yet. I kind of can't remember how it worked, but that's kind of the reason they're down there. Because they've actually been a little bit better this season than uh, than they have in the past. But they're they're in real trouble now. It has to have gone through because they have uh, five victories yeah. and they're no, currently it's, it's down, down to seven points. If they got docked 10 points, they'd actually be at negative three. I would not like their chances of climbing out of the cellar there. But man, yeah. that's the difference between. So they're currently at seven. If you get docked 10 points, 19th would put they you. would have been 12th. Solo 12th. That's a significant penalty. That seems insane. I didn't know they did that. Oh, they do that all the time. Juventus had it happen to them two years ago. Um, it, it's, it's a pretty common penalty for like pretty – harsh allegations and harsh, uh, you know, big, like, you know, fi financial fair play or cheating or just all the above, you know, expense issues, like it happens. Um, but like I said, it's crazy because with City and Chelsea and Newcastle and all of their issues and like, of course, we're going to take it out on Everton. It says Everton's 10-point deduction is the heaviest punishment in the history English uh, in the history of English Premier League football. Oh, I didn't know it was that serious. <laughs> it says <laughs> – it says they're not the, they're far from the first team to be dock points, but it says actually in the history of English's top flight league, which I think means goes past the EPL, which is kind of like current iteration started in the nineties. So uh, Everton got the hammer dropped on him. Uh, wow. That's like a seven year bull band. Them and SMU just royally screwed by the bodies that be uh, in professional football. He is Weldon Rodenberg. I really appreciate the time, man. Been a fun season. We'll catch up with you as we get closer to Ole Miss's bowl game, but I uh, appreciate you joining us. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that's going to do it for our show today. It's a two-parter day, though. I've got Bracken Ray uh, talking what was a huge week for Ole Miss Hoops in the second part of this Monday podcast. So two podcasts, really, for you today. So be sure to check that out if you made it to the end. Thank you for listening to the show, as always. You have a great start to your week.